You're listening to a podcast of Business News Background. A weekly roundup of the big stories here in Western Australia. Brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. Welcome to another edition of Business News Background. I'm James Lush from Lush Digital Media. With us today to look at some of the stories from this week and also to look at some of the features in the paper next week. Uh, Mark Pannell, Head of Content. Dan Wilkie, Reporter. Morning. 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 Let's start with a look at uh, some of the stories from this week. And I, I quite like the idea of starting with the, the asset sales story, um, simply because it's, it sounds like you're, you, know, you can't raise money, on it, raise money any other way. Um, what have we got in the house that we can sell? Yeah. Is that how you see it, Mark? Oh, look, yes. Uh, I guess there's been a lot of talk about this for quite some time. I think it's been at least a six to nine month story, if not really for a couple of years. Um, you know, call them privatisations or call them asset sales. There's, there's a couple of different versions of that out there. The government finally this week relented and uh, and gave the market and the, all the investment bankers and many others what they wanted, which was some news that they will be selling some things um, and actually naming them. Um, the, uh, the 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 core around that is um, they're going to sell the the Canningvale markets. Okay. Um, which makes sense. It's an operation. I mean, the government doesn't need to be owning that. Yeah. Uh, Utah Point up at uh, Port Hedland and uh, the Quinana Bulk Terminal, which is um, really a, a, a um, ore, uh, you know, a bit of iron ore and coal and stuff goes through there down in Quinana. Yeah. So those are the three assets on the block. They're talking about $1 to $2 billion. Uh, I suspect it might be at the lower end of that, to be honest with you. But, you know, we'll wait and see. There's already interest in Utah Point because you've got guys like Atlas Iron and, uh, and uh, Mineral Resources, um, both keen to be in a, own a bit of infrastructure. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's, that's a pretty smart one to sell. Um, and then, you know, the question is what's next? Uh, I, I think they should have sold a lot more things already. Um, you know, if you want to build new things, I think you sell the old things. I, I, yes. You know, anyway, that's my opinion. But uh, this is sort of slowly, slowly, you know, the, getting the, the horses out of the gate. Is it, Dan, do you think a case of, well, we can't raise money any other way at the moment, so, which is bizarre considering, you know, the fact that you can shove a shovel in the ground in WA almost everywhere and you can practically sell it. So we have a lot of advantages in that respect. But is this desperation? Is it a case of, well, we've got to find some money somewhere to, to, to plug the gap? Well, not according to the Premier. Um, <laughs> yesterday he was very very outspoken about this, saying it's not a fire sale, it's not a panic sale. Um, and he, he said they seem to be quite reserved in the way they're going about it. Um, the interesting for me from a sort of property development uh, perspective is uh, Mike Nahan said yesterday that the next assets that they're looking at are some of the state government's land assets. Now, they've got vast land holdings across the, the metropolitan area. Um, it'll be very interesting to see where that they target to, to, to sell off first um, and and see if what sort of land is going to be made available to boost the urban infill efforts and in turn boost housing affordability, which is a big issue in the development industry at the moment. How do you think the public views something like this? Do, do, do you think it, they see it as desperation or do they think this is good business sense? Oh, look, I think maybe that's why some of the things that are on the block first, are, you know, they're not really... Um, they're not really kind of things that the public would feel, yes. oh, you know, that close to. Uh, uh, that close to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Canningvale Markets, you know, I, 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 oh, I, probably I, surprised I doubt the anybody government. knew that the government <laughs> owned it, exactly. Look, I think, uh, and then I think you have to look at the politics of this. The uh, the, the mooding, Moody's downgrade, um, you know, came earlier in the week. Yeah. So, you know, perhaps that was a softening up yes. of the public. Look, you know, we, we really need to do something here. 
Um, and I might add, and I think Dan picks there on, on land stuff, but, you know, they talked about um, some of these assets, uh, The I think the Kunana Bulk Terminal, they're not actually going to sell the asset outright. They're looking at doing these 99-year lease things, which is, you know, it makes a bit of sense, particularly if you're doing key of blocks of land yes. or large tracts of land in the city, in the yep. urban area, you know. Um, you know, 99 years is time enough to develop up and do something creative with it, yep. but it also means that in 100 years, uh, if, if, if a mistake has been made, the, the, the public, the state gets we'll it, get back. it back. We'll get it back. We'll all reap the benefits. I don't know quite how old we'll be, but we'll reap the benefit. Let's look at uh, another story from this week, which I, I guess is an ongoing uh, story. It's the company reports and the results. It is that season. Um, anything stand out for you this week? Yeah, look, there's a, you know, as I stated last week, uh, James, there's, you know, you kind of, the good news comes out early and then it starts to, you know, um, get a, a bit tougher. Yeah. We're still in the middle of the major companies reporting and they tend to report um, to a calendar. So it's it's not quite, we're not really seeing the worst of the worst, which tends to be towards the very end of the reporting season. Yeah. Um, but look, I think the big headline ones, um, you know, Qantas and Virgin, both making losses, probably no huge surprises there. Um, you know, those that's been the airline battle. They're in a really difficult place. But it's interesting, isn't it? Every time you jump on a plane, every time I jump on a plane, I'm seeing every seat taken. I'm thinking, what yeah. else can you do? Yeah, look, you know, tough businesses to run and huge amount of competition. I mean, Qantas are claiming they've written off $2.6 billion, so their loss of $2.8 billion, most of that was a write-down. They still would have lost money, though. But they're kind of claiming this is high, this is the end of it, this, this, you know, so we'll wait and see. Um, but, you know, and most of that was writing their fleet down. So, you know, in the end, in old 747s or old whatever they are, whatever they fly, A380s and those sort of things, I guess, you know, they've just they've realised that there's plenty of planes out there in the sky and uh, yeah. these aren't worth as much. Um, other results, uh, getting keeping it local, um, you know, Atlas Iron did well, um, Ausdrill, you know, drilling's in a bad place, and they they made a, a big loss, uh, and they and they they flagged that quite early. Um, a really interesting one, I think, and this is one that summarises for me actually. BC Iron up fifty one percent. They fifty one percent up from last year, but only about fifteen percent of their um, uh, profit is from the second half of the right. year. So they made all the profit in right. the first half, right. and and in that second half, the price was. Coming falling down. all the way to June 30 and of course since so really they're claiming they're still profitable um, I think they're talking about high 60s um, for the price of iron ore it still keeps them you know no, above above water but right. nevertheless tougher and tougher and tougher yes, yes. so you know that's that's the big signal okay. for me and I, and I will chuck one more, one more national one in there Woolies a big profit there so you know again defensive stock doing pretty well in, in tighter times very interesting looking at some of the uh, company reports and results which are out at the moment now let's uh, turn our attention uh, to next week's paper it's uh, James Lush from Lush Digital Media uh, Mark Panel with us also Dan Wilkie and he's written the, the feature article next week which is looking at city architects the town planners the shape of the city the issues that the city faces and of course anyone listening to this will know that there are many issues in fact everywhere you drive there seems to be something building uh, there's some building going on there's roadworks going on it's it's a it's a state of flux that we're in isn't it yeah it's interesting that the, you open up and saying anywhere you drive because that was one of the big issues that came up when we're talking about Perth livability I mean then the, there was a lot of discussion about Perth is doing a lot of things right it is a great place to live as you see by a lot of livability surveys but congestion yeah. that was singled out as the biggest issue standing behind Perth becoming really an internationally great city now there's a couple of solutions to that that, that were brought up at the lunch as well um, the first of those is building a light rail network um, 
just to get people around a different way, um, get, get other different transport routes in there. Um, but the other thing about the building a light rail network is it'll give developers certainty. Um, yes. Once that line's in the ground, you, you can build around that line, increase the density, and you know you're going to get a return, and they're not going to move the line. Wouldn't it be good to say that now? Because we're in this sort of state of everything being chaotic. Wouldn't it be better to have that named now rather than get it all fi- sort of finished, only to say, now we're going to dig it all up again and make this? Mm. Well, the big problem is... <laughs> or is that just me being logical? <laughs> uh, logic they get no place in business, I don't think. <laughs> but the, the big problem with the light rail issue and, uh, and what the, the participants at our boardroom forum identified was the state government is looking at it as a two, $2 billion project. Hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. Bill, Shame, Bill Hames from Hames Charlie, um, he said that it just needs to be incremental. Build 10 kilometres, then you can develop around that 10-kilometre yeah. node. Yeah. Then Greg Rowe chipped in from, from Rowe Group and he said that a planning agency should take control of the development around those the first 100 metres around those transport nodes. And for developers, if they want to go over, above a certain size, they're subject to a levy. The funds raised from that levy go back into upgrading and redeveloping that transport okay. node. So that gives you the funding to proceed with the next 10 kilometres and the next 10 kilometres after that. And it also addresses the congestion issues because you're increasing the density around the train stations, less people in cars, yes. and it's really reflecting that shift to apartment living as well. Very interesting article um, that was featured uh, recently talking about Vancouver is a city, a city which has done very well on its sort of public transport and its move away from the love of the car. Very similar cities, very similar looking cities, both beautiful cities, and yet Vancouver is very progressive, Perth almost the opposite because it's still very car reliant. Do you sense that there is a, a, a potential shift going on? Will we ever move away from our love affair with the car? And could we do some radical big thinking? I think we've got to wait for a light rail network to really have yeah. a shift away from the car. I mean, the saying is that Steve Woodland, the former state architect, he said to me that if you build another five metres of road, a car's going to find it. Of course it will. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's it's, yeah, it's yeah. inevitable. If there's a viable alternative, though, that's quick, comfortable and efficient, yeah. people are going to embrace that. People are getting sick sitting on the Quinana and Mitchell freeways yes. for an hour to get into work. I yeah, mean, yeah. It, it, it's not fun. No one enjoys it. Yeah. And people want to get to work quickly. Yeah, you want to get on two wheels, go through it. It's great. <laughs> Let's look at another story, uh, Mark, uh, from, 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 from the paper coming out on Monday, the medical research story uh, and the, the, the Institute's findings on this. Tell, tell, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, well, look, um, one of our reporters looked in at, I mean, really, they got some annual reports from different medical uh, institutes that are they're out there, some pretty high-profile ones. You've obviously got the Harry Perkins Institute yeah, for yeah. Medical Research, which used to be the old uh, WAMA, the WA um, Institute for Medical Research, and uh, you've got the Lion's Eye Institute, um, and you've also got the Telethon kids, you know. So they're, they're three rather large medically focused uh, groups. Um, and all of them, well, actually two of them are very quite heavily reliant on um, on donations and yeah. public kind of, you know, the, the public generosity. Um, Lions Eye Institute, much less so, actually, only 4%, whereas uh, I think Harry Perkins was something around... Um, 40% or something like that. It's called 31%, sorry, 31%. Yep. So quite, yep. a, quite a big difference there. And I think the Lions Eye Institute has um, its own surgery. It does all that, um, you know, the fixing up your eyes, and yes. they make that, they've got a, a profit line that, oh, okay. that, that allows them to fund their own research internally, which is clever. Um, so in terms of going to these institutes, and I think it was, it was mainly talking to Peter Liedman from, um, from the Harry Perkins Institute, 
we've got this situation at the moment where there's the, the federal government wants to put a $7 co-payment in and they've connected this to a large idea of that money will go to a, a medical research fund and in 10 years or so that will start to fund medical research. Already that's, you know, people are apparently but getting scared or not getting scared off is probably the wrong term but they're already thinking oh the government's going to do that I won't need to donate if yeah. they're doing that and so these institutes are a bit fearful yeah. of this idea that the public might shift its 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 generosity to another area because somehow the government's coming in to, to fill those coffers yeah. and of course you know for now there's 10 years or just under until that fund if it even exists because we don't know that this co-payment is going to happen um they're just worried that they might they're so reliant on donations they might actually see a drop off so there's just that little bit of concern that that politics communication is starting to you know um, might unsettle them and give them a bad year when they don't need to interesting yeah and let's just end today with a look at some of those property results. Uh, again, Dan, I know that uh, you know being heavily involved in the property world, there's some interesting, uh, t- some some interesting figures there. What what would you say, guys, is the sort of the standout in this respect in in, in the article you've written? Well, I think long-suffering, well, suffering shareholders of Pete um, who haven't had a div- dividend payment since 2011, they'd yeah. be cheering. Um, their div- dividends got reinstated yesterday, Good. so uh, um, they had a solid bump in revenue, 23% up, but they were up like 3,000% in profit. And I think they had a profit of about around a million last year. Now it's up to around 30 million. So that's a the big headline result. And it really shows the strength of their key markets, which is WA, Victoria, and a little less so in Queensland. Yeah. Um, and the other company also sort of cashing in on those two markets is Cedar Woods. Uh, they came out with their result about a week and a half ago. Similar, similar results, revenue up 24.1%. Profit up a, a little, slightly less than Pete, um, mm. but still very solid result of forty points. So some million. of these companies doing very well, some struggling. Interesting. Well, why is that? Do you think? It, well, was it a discrepancy in well, that respect? I think we're seeing. Well, I think we're seeing the survivors actually. Okay. Here, you know, so the, the good the, comes the one, from the, the top. One, yeah. I mean, the other ones that we've mentioned here, Mervac, Stockland, their national groups, they yeah. really got caned. I mean, they really did, and they've come through now, and they're starting to look really strong. And Pete as well. I mean, Pete bit the bullet really early. Okay. After GFC, when yeah, things yeah. started to really hurt them, they went in. They did the right downs. They completely adjusted their uh, their strategy, and they've come out. Okay. Looking really strong, and I must say we've got to hear a list of you know four companies. There's probably another one or two that haven't yet reported. Most or the half of the ones we've got here are national because all the lo- a lot of local guys have actually disappeared or okay. dropped off the radar. You know yeah. it, because you know they all got heavily debt was cheap. They all had a lot of debt. They went and paid massive amounts for land, and they got caught. And you know, not a, it's nice not a good position. No. Not a good position to be in. But what we've got is the survivors. And I think Dan noted Cedar Woods that saying that, that the profit wasn't up that much. Well, they've actually turned in a pretty good profit every year. They're yeah. one of the ones that stopped buying land when it got too expensive and didn't have the pain of the others. So you know, I always watch yeah. them with interest. Yeah, interesting times. Fascinating. You'll be able to read more about that in the article which is coming out on Monday when the newspapers out. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for looking at the story from this week and also looking ahead to next. Thanks, Thank you. We'll do the same thing next week uh, with another edition of Business News Background. Don't forget you can subscribe. Just press the button on, on the iTunes uh, uh, link and you'll be able to listen to this uh, without any effort whatsoever. Till next week. You've been listening to a podcast of Business News Background, brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. For more information, go to the website businessnews.com.au.